You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to TFM's local watering hole. I am just one of the hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as she is every single week, the brilliant, nay, dare I say, incredible, Christy Morris. Hey, I'm here and back ready to talk about some uh, crane kicks and some, you know, beating the drum, um, you know, all of the cool karate moves. Yes, yes. I mean, way better than the crow kick. I mean, I just, uh, just be honest, the crane kick is so much cooler. Yeah, just even the name. I mean, the crow yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man it's gonna be so much fun though uh getting an opportunity to uh be able to talk through karate kid 2 uh here it's really fun as we're continuing our karate kid retrospective um which i'm really excited about because you know i hadn't seen two in a while i haven't seen three uh and and just as long and i've i've you know, not watched Cobra Kai yet. So that'll be fun for us to get to that as well. So I'm really excited about all of this. I'm glad you're excited because this has been my one of my big franchises since I was a little kid. I know I've seen the first Karate Kid over and over again and sad that I had to miss talking about it on here with you. But uh, at least now I'm on for the rest of the ride and I have seen Cobra Kai. So I promise not to give you any spoilers. Okay, good. Because yeah, I don't I don't want any spoilers for what happens. I definitely want to be able to experience, but I am just super excited. Uh and yeah, you know, this is this is really cool because you know, it is a series, another great 80s series to kind of be able to go back to and you know, it's it's really fun to see how, you know, these things hold up. So, before we get into it, of course, uh remember you can find the show wherever you get your podcast. Please do make sure you're subscribed so you get the podcast as soon as it drops. Of course, we've got the Snyder cuts going on right now with uh, John Mills and I uh that you could find in the same feed. So, you're getting two podcasts for the price of one and it's free. So, make sure you're checking it out and subscribe there again you can give us uh you know if you're on apple Podcasts, you know please uh give us a star rating review let people know what you think of the show it definitely it continues to help the show grow since it's a big place for people to find podcasts but of course you can find us you know on like spotify or amazon music or just anywhere podcasts to be had you could find the 602 club and Christy, uh, I wanted to say a huge thank you to everybody who has been listening. Uh, I didn't. I wanted to surprise you with this, uh, but this is legitimately um, not only the biggest month that we've ever had, but it's the biggest month in the history of the Six Hundred Two Club. By like, we almost hit twenty thousand downloads in one month. Holy crap! Wow. Yeah. Uh, that is a yeah. big surprise. And, uh, you know, obviously yeah. I haven't been here the entire time, but I've been here for a few years now. And I just, yeah, yeah I need to throw in a huge thank you, too. And and we actually got a really nice tweet the other day from Tatooine. We did. Hugs. 
We did. We did. In fact, um, I think thanks for reminding me of that, Christy, mm-hmm. because I also did really want to to say thank you uh, to them for for that tweet. We uh, we try to you know be as interactive as possible with with everybody on on social media uh, right now and and um, and in general, uh, we we love interacting with people uh, and we're really thankful for everybody who does interact with us over on Twitter. Um, but we did get a great. Um, tweet the other day at us and it is definitely something that uh, I wanted to share because it, it really meant a lot to Christy and I to, to hear and so they said in an effort to promote some positivity at the end of a bad month I'm going to shout out a podcast that consistently kindles my love of all things Star Wars movies books and comics at the 602 club at Matt Rushing 02 at Bespin Bell at the Jedi Masters at Kessel Junkie uh, and this was from TatooineScene.com. And so mm-hmm. thank you so much for that. It, it really did. I, I know, you know, Christy and I both responded to the tweet. So did John. Uh, and we really do uh, appreciate it because uh, it, it it means a lot to us, you know, to, to hear back from the fans and be able to interact with you as, as listeners. And so um, in that vein, Christy, uh, we are doing a contest right now going till March 23rd uh, when this is going to be released because we're going to give away... Uh, the 4K edition of the new remastered version of Batman v Superman, the Ultimate Edition. Zack Snyder went in and remastered that specifically because uh, he noticed when he was watching it there uh, in the 4K edition, there were some um, color corrections that needed to be made to that that he he liked better. Also, he reinserted all of the things he filmed in IMAX in the IMAX ratio. So we're giving this away for free. All you have to do is follow us on Twitter. So go over to at the 602 club uh, and make sure you're following us. Now, this is only for the USA and mainly just has to do with where this is available. Um, But um, yeah, again, just make sure you're following us and you could win. Um, You literally only have to be following the 602 club on Twitter to be injured to win. So, uh, and you could find us on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. You can also find us, of course, online at Trek FM, where all the podcasts we do are are housed We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Trek FM. And, of course, you can send us an email over at trek.fm slash contact. And so uh, and a huge thank you as well, not only to the people that have been listening for uh, to us and, and, you know, giving us such a huge record month, but huge thank you to those people who support the network over on Patreon at patreon.com slash trek.fm. We've got our uh, associate producers here on the show, uh, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millett, and Daniel Noah. We really do appreciate them making sure that all of these podcasts keep coming to you ad-free. Uh, mm-hmm. And so if you love what we do, we could definitely use your help. So go to patreon.com slash trek.fm. You can see how you can become part of the team Honestly, guys, every little bit helps. So, uh, again, that's patreon.com slash FM. So, with all those thank yous, uh, Christy, we're here to talk about The Karate Kid Part 2. And I was, again, this is not a movie that I had seen in, in a long time here. But I thought it was really interesting how we follow up Part 1 by literally beginning where we ended. And... um. Pretty much, uh, this this you know we and 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 not only that, not only do we follow right right where we begin our left off, but um, we also kind of set up what the main theme is going to be through the movie. So, how did you feel about that kind of coming back to it and um, the way that this um, 
brings us into this part one because we start with a follow-up, but then we kind of go six months later uh, and a lot of things change. Yeah, I, I think that it you kind of need it because, you know, the movies didn't come out exactly the same time, of course. So, you know, it had been a little time since the last one and people, I think, sometimes need a refresher. But also it really informs more where this one is going to go. Um, and I think that you don't realize it the first time you see this movie. But, you know, since you and I have seen it multiple times now, I think we've figured it out. That's also sort of a setting up of um, what is to come as far as themes in part two. So, you know, it's it it leans a little bit more into the romance this time, of course, but also is going to reflect again on the relationship between a sensei and his student and between, um, you know, two enemies and how they resolve that. Yeah. Um, I was, it was really interesting to see that, you know, of course, I, I think in the first movie, you know, you, you almost kind of wanted there to be a fight between Miyagi, uh, and, and crease, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so we actually get that here, uh, you know, as we're following up because it's in the parking lot after the tournament. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I just, what I love about the fight that they have is that it honestly sets up the move too that, that, uh, Miyagi is going to teach Daniel with the drum, you know, mm -hmm. the movement that Miyagi makes is the one where as somebody comes at you with a punch, you're not there. Right. And right. so we, we set all of that up through a fight here, but we also set up this whole, um, the whole theme of, of forgiveness and bitterness and, and mm -hmm. what all that means. And so I really, I thought that that was really strong actually. Um, and again, it, it lets, you know, Mr. Miyagi, kind of you know we we said it in the the first episode but you know Miyagi in many ways is is basically Yoda uh, oh yeah <laughs> for this series and so that was really neat but then you know we do jump to 6 months later and a lot of things change very quickly mm -hmm. for Daniel and for Miyagi that kind of set up the rest of the movie but it's nice, too, because I will say before we jump into then that um, I think that they wanted to take the focus away from so much being about his relationship with um, how he and Billy are going to get on at this point or um, if he and his girlfriend are going to continue going out or whatnot. You know, I, I'm kind of glad that they made up a reason to move on without the two of them in this one, because he's also at that point where he's graduating high school because Miyagi mentions, you know, you need money for college. Um, and so he's kind of at a good in-between point where he could possibly do something different and, and also get some space from all of that drama <laughs> where he was living. Um, so I, I like that, that it's not all about them anymore. Um, and then too, I did want to add that I think that the fight between Miyagi and Kreese is hilarious because they come back to it later again He's merciful, but also really funny where he makes that move with his hand mm -hmm. like he's going to take him out with one final punch and then he <laughs> honks his nose. <laughs> I love that. And I love that then Daniel does it yep. later. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's really great. Um, 
that it, it, again the way that fight works out you know mm-hmm. and 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 the way it, it allows Miyagi to kind of set up the theme you know for where we're going to this this whole movie is going to be about right and what i i thought what was great about how the way it follows up with part 1 is just that it continues building on the themes that that had been played out in part 1 mm-hmm. you know and and we're going to kind of do uh, a version of it where it's even more grown up right you know the first movie definitely felt like a high school movie and this movie feels like um it does kind of feel like the kind of things that you're learning as a young adult right when you get out of high school and you're going into college and you're in that age range and so mm-hmm. i think that that's really cool um I, so i wanted to ask you though like when they do the six months later jump and, you know, we've got Daniel's mom who's going to be moving again. So Daniel is kind of like, am I moving? Or, you know, um, what's going to happen to me? Um, and we have Allie dump him for a football player, which I was looking to see. I didn't see any, like, behind-the-scenes info of, like, if that was just the, the part of the story or they went with that part of the story just because, you know, uh, maybe Elizabeth Shue wasn't uh, available or something. Um, but how, how did you feel about, especially those two things, um, there as, uh, you know, we again, jump six months later. The only part that I didn't like about it was that they never show his mom. So it feels a little too much, um, like it was thrown in that he was supposedly going to make this move to Fresno and he's really bummed. And then suddenly Miyagi says, well, actually you're going to live with me and then wait, no, actually we're going to Okinawa. Um, I think it would have helped me a little bit with believing that more if they actually showed a conversation between Miyagi and Daniel's mom about it. Um, But aside from that, I mean, you know, I completely think that, you know, him with his breakup is fine. Um, I thought it was kind of silly that they also blamed crashing the car on her. (laughs) Like, what does that do? (laughs) You're like, yeah, she left me for another guy and she crashed my car. She's terrible. Uh, see, what I got about that, it wasn't that she crashed her car. I got the feeling like she had put maybe something in the car that wasn't supposed to be in there. Like, you know, like maybe she did the oil wrong or something. Oh, like Miyagi fixed um, it. Yeah, he fixed it pretty quickly. So, okay. yeah. Um, but, no, it was it was really interesting. And um, I, I thought, th- again, as you watch the rest of the movie... It was interesting because it did feel more like this was it wasn't just something where, oh, they needed to write the actress out, but they really wanted to kind of move Daniel forward Mm -hmm. as a character. And part of doing that was almost letting go of this kind of, again, we're moving out of high school into college. Right. And and life is is more about um, a more adult relationship right i mean he's he's 18 years old now he's moving into college and so what that's going to be like and so a big part of that I, I wanted to ask you not only do we get six months later but that six months includes us going to a completely different location that we are going to go to okinawa and so how how did that work for you here in this film as we have a completely new place to be spending our time for the rest of the film. I think that that's actually the biggest benefit of this film is the location change and focusing on Miyagi's roots and how that affects 
him as a person, who he became, how he teaches Daniel, you know, and his belief in forgiveness and mercy and kindness um, and avoiding a fight whenever possible rather than encouraging violence. And so he gets to actually bring Daniel with him to see where he grew up, um, his father and his dojo, and then what happened between him and Sato. Because Miyagi before this is always very reserved about talking about his personal life. It's always more focused on everyone else and teaching Daniel about life rather than talking about himself. And he's very much reserved with that until he trusts people more. Um, and so I think that he could see, you know, in that scene, especially where he and Daniel are talking at the airport, he finally is convinced to let Daniel in a little bit more and says, okay, you can come with me. Yeah, I, I really liked that. You know, um, what I loved about them going to Okinawa and even like you were talking about this kind of like confrontation that him and Miyagi have about whether or not he should, you know, go. Mm -hmm. I love this whole idea of, you know, there's a there's a very biblical theme about older men training younger men and younger uh, women being traded by older women. And I thought um, it was really interesting because we kind of see that. I mean, obviously, there's a there's a very close mentor like relationship between Daniel and Miyagi. Mm -hmm. um, and in many ways, obviously, Daniel is the surrogate son that he never had, yeah, you know, because his child was lost in childbirth and his wife had died and he never had those things again. And so, but what I really loved about this was that, you know, part of growing up is learning to take care of other people other than just yourself right. and, and being willing to be there for others. Uh, and I thought that that was really a beautiful thing to see that by, by, them going to Okinawa, you give Daniel the opportunity to uh, be able to be there for Miyagi in a way that he's been there for Daniel mm -hmm. uh, and be the support. And and because as they're going there, it's going to be very difficult for Miyagi. Um, and if he hadn't had that support of Daniel, I think it wouldn't have gone as well for him, you know. Um, and again, too, it allows Daniel to be able to continue his growth process of learning what it truly means to be a man. And I mean, he's going to be then confronted with, uh, you know, two different forms of manhood. You know, again, John and I talked a lot about um, when we talked about this, this kind of toxic masculinity that Daniel sees with Kreese's group. Mm hmm as opposed to Miyagi. And again, we're confronted with that in this movie by going to Okinawa, seeing a twisting of honor, quote unquote honor, right? Mm -hmm. um, as a twisted form of, I would say, again, toxic masculinity. So uh, we get a chance to see that here by going to Okinawa, that this is not just a problem that happens, you know, here in America. Mm -hmm. This is a problem we see everywhere, right? Of of this this twisted version of what it means to be a man and what it doesn't mean to be a man. And again, by going to Okinawa, we get to kind of play with some of these themes again, but in a different context. And I think uh, it, this, many of the things that we kind of see in the movie are similar to what we saw in the first movie. But I think by going to Okinawa, it gives us the opportunity to make them feel fresh again, right? Yeah. So I, I, I'm glad that we don't just stay, you know, in 
California that we move locations and that allows us to explore some of those same themes but then add new themes and mix it all together and it feel much more fresh than it would have if we had just stayed where we were. Absolutely. And two, it's like, you know, going back to the roots of where karate itself even began. Mm -hmm. And Miyagi telling the story about, I love, uh, you know, his uh, father's sensei, I think he said Shinpo, that um, liked sake and liked fishing and fell asleep on his fishing boat after drinking too much and landed in China. (laughs) He came back and started (laughs) Miyagi-Do. I think that's so cute. Um, But, you know, it's, it's nice to have that aspect of, you know, the cultural piece of Japan then also showing how that influences Miyagi's lifestyle and like his beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, And even showing Daniel, you know, when it's just him and uh, Kamiko, Mm -hmm. um, the tea ceremony, I thought was really nice. You know, it's like they take a beat to really just slow down and there aren't even any words but it's sort of like a really nice private moment of him being on a real date, you know, like a, and it more like an adult um, and, you know, learning how to be respectful of someone else's culture and to try new things. Um, but also that it's like this very um, reserved culture as well you know what i mean like it's there's not a, like yeah. pda in japanese culture that's not how they do a date <laughs> you know so it's like a date for them was a tea ceremony yeah i i well and and i i just thought it was a yeah it it really helped the movie overcome a lot of the things that you run into with a sequel you know right. um by going to okinawa it gives you the the opportunity to Again, even if you're covering some of the same type of themes mm-hmm. and mater- uh, material that you've done in the first movie, by being in a different place, you get an opportunity to cover up some of that. And mm-hmm. it was I was really interested in finding out, too, that you know they didn't actually get to film on Okinawa because, unfortunately, Okinawa, like we kind of saw, and they, they allude to the fact that it's the presence of military bases has really taken over most of the island. So... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other locations in Japan and then in Hawaii were y- used um, to to do this filming. And, and I thought it was really cool because they did film uh, in Oahu uh, on this privately owned location. And they uh, gave them a large piece of land to be able to use. And they actually built seven authentic Okinawan houses uh, along with the three acres of crops they planted. So I just thought that was really neat. Um you know, that they, they were trying to be as, as true to form as they, they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, so, again, even just going to Okinawa, you, you had this 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 really cool opportunity. So um, so one of the themes, Christy, that got, you know, obviously played out at the very beginning of the movie, and it's the first thing that Miyagi really says that's Yodaish, you know, in this film where he says, you know, f- uh, for a person with no forgiveness in their heart, living is worse than death. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea of forgiveness and kind of the the opposite of that bitterness, you know, um, is I thought was such a relevant theme because I feel like we kind of live in a world where forgiveness and grace have been lost. And 
it was it was something that I really loved, like from Kreese all the way to Sato and and you know his, um, you know his little henchmen. Um, the whole thing is really about this idea of of are you going to be somebody who is has no forgiveness in their heart, so that that when the time comes that you can't even live up to your own expectations, you're going to be utterly devastated, or are you going to be somebody that that mistakes are allowed? You know, mm-hmm. like mistakes are like you can make mistakes and you can forgive not only others but yourself for that. And I thought you know, this is a really in, important theme. And again, I I was really struck by how I feel like even more relevant it is now than maybe even when this movie came out because. I just feel like we live in the world where uh, forgiveness and grace are completely lost on us anymore. Yeah, I definitely felt the same way watching this. And I think that's the biggest theme for me throughout the movie that I saw was that um, when you I've also heard the phrase when you hold on to a grudge, it doesn't hurt the person you're upset with. It only hurts you. Mm -hmm. And it's true. You know, I mean, think about how long Sato held that anger it was years and years and years, like probably like 40 years or something. And um, there were things that Miyagi didn't even know. A, he didn't know if Sato still was alive, much less was still angry and didn't know if he and Yuki had ended up marrying or not. He figured they did, but it turned out they didn't. Um, But Miyagi was able to leave that in Japan and actually emotionally move on as well as physically starting over in America. And so I think that that's fascinating then when he's going back, you know, A, not only like you're saying with the situation with Kreese and teaching Daniel, but also then in Okinawa showing Daniel um, that it's something that you have to do because you can't just let that eat away at you and that you might make mistakes and need someone to forgive you. Um, and I think that the scene that, that illustrated it the best for me as well was when Daniel is trying to save the little girl and Sato's protege says, I can't help him because you can tell he's basically saying, I can't let go of my anger enough to go and help him. Mm-hmm. And Sato even realizes then the error in his own ways in rubbing off on a student like that and decides he's going to be different and goes and helps Daniel himself. So, yeah, it, that's totally, to me, the, the biggest thing to learn from this movie is that forgiveness has to be given and received in order for you to have a life that you're going to be happy with. You know, I, 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 I'm reminded of when you said that, you know, uh, and, and it, you know, obviously we've been talking about the idea, you know, of, of Miyagi being like Yoda, but there is such a connection between like that whole idea and, you know, what Luke says to Vader, you know, when he says, you know, I feel the conflict within you, let go of your hate, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that this movie is a really beautiful picture of what hate can do to a heart when you hold on to it for so long and it becomes bitterness. Because I think what we see at the beginning of the movie, Kree's passing on this this hate basically this this hate for oneself that you can be nothing but perfect mm-hmm. right um this perfectionism um that drives him so that anything 
less than perfect is not good enough and and becomes something that you hate even about yourself and about others around you. And Sato on the other side, you know, has let this hate and this anger build up in him to where it's completely consumed his life. And he's taken it out on an entire town, right? Yeah. Like he's destroyed the industry of an entire town because of his anger with Miyagi and, you know, the woman that that he was supposed to marry. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it, again, I thought, and, and, and I don't know if you felt this way, but I was really struck by the way in which when Sato lets that go, because there's even that moment where he's being saved by Miyagi and Daniel, mm-hmm. and he's still kind of yelling at him, right? And it's not actually until he goes out to help um, save the the other people, right? And then he sees what Daniel's doing. Mm-hmm. It's Daniel's actions of climbing up that ladder, right? That I think really kind of just blow open his mind as to what it really means to be a good person, to be a man, to be willing to put your life on the line for another person. And uh, and and again, you know, uh, this is this is for Daniel who. He doesn't live here. He doesn't really know these people, right? Mm-hmm. But he's just willing to do the right thing regardless of the cost. And 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 I really love it. And and to me, to to see Sato come around was really a a beautiful thing. It was so for him to be able to kind of accept the forgiveness of Miyagi. Mm-hmm to accept the forgiveness of of the entire town really um because he's willing to let go of his hate and i mean like it's beautiful cuz miyagi immediately accepts him back because he was never angry at him in the first place right yeah um and i just i this this whole this whole thing about forgiveness was so beautiful because like Again, I think we've just lost the ability in our culture to have grace and forgiveness, to to allow people to be human. Mm-hmm. Like we're all going to make massive mistakes in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. We're all but but those mistakes don't have to define us for the rest of our lives if the people around us are willing to allow us to have forgiveness and we're allow and and we're willing to forgive ourselves, right? Mhm. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, especially when somebody owns it and says, I've made a mistake, like Sato did to Miyagi, you know, Miyagi was already willing to forgive him anyway. But then, you know, it's nice to also hear the person say, I want to be a different person. I shouldn't have done what I did. Um, And yeah, that's why that's so beautiful, seeing them be able to move on and seeing, like you're saying, even when Miyagi goes to save him and Sato doesn't believe him at first, Miyagi then even says... Come on, my friend, when he's trying to pick him up and carry him to safety. I caught that. And, you know, that's a really telling thing because Sato's language toward him was always just degrading and, you know, like, I don't even know yeah. you anymore kind of thing. And Miyagi still calls him my, my friend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, yeah, that was a beautiful moment. 
Yeah, I I thought that that was great too. Like you said, and the fact that um that for Miyagi, he he's never not considered him a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I th- I think you're absolutely right. Um, well, and I think this goes to something that to which this movie also talks about which is the idea of bravery and honor because early in the movie you know we have daniel he's he's obviously seen miyagi's medal of honor and he makes this box for it and and miyagi you know he 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 says that you know honor and bravery are not found in awards and medals right he's like this this doesn't mean i was brave it just means i was lucky you know yeah um, but that what we kind of see throughout the film and what's portrayed by the characters is that being brave is doing the hard thing and the right thing, no matter what the cost. That's what it truly means to be brave. And I really love that we see that played out over and over again with especially Miyagi and Daniel, who are thrust in these positions where it is very difficult to do the right thing over and over again. Especially when they are being persecuted, you know, they're being trashed, uh, they're being beaten up, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I think there is something really beautiful about the way that they just continue to uh, show what true bravery is, which is in, in the face of, of intense opposition, in the face of, of um, you know, threat to their own existence, right? They they continue to just do the right thing. Yeah, I think that that speaks volumes because it, I mean, for any of us, if you put yourself in that position, it would be hard to not lash out in anger because of the way that you're being treated rather than continuing to do the right thing. But Daniel learns from Miyagi that that's not the way that's going to get you what you want and that ultimately mm-hmm. what's the most respectful is to always do the right thing, even when nobody's watching. Um, but, you know, I, I do think I'm glad you mentioned about the medals because that really caught me as well, that Miyagi has always been very humble. And, you know, I like that later than he even says, um, I think it was like you, um, uh, what was it? It was like, it, you know, the only, people that whose opinion you should care about is your own or something like that. You know, he was talking about how are people going to know that you're telling the truth? Sorry, I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it very well. Um, But anyway, it basically Miyagi feels like you don't need to prove to other people that you're a good person. Just always do the right thing and that'll speak for itself. And just like you don't need medals to prove that you were brave that's just showing that you survived. Um, you know in your heart what kind of person you are. Yeah, and and I think, you know, this is the place, too, you know, with this idea of bravery. You know, we really are discussing, too, what it means to have real honor, you know, and mm-hmm. and um, and true true honor is somebody who, who sticks to their word. Um, and again, regardless of, of the cost Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think what we saw here is that Miyagi has 
really stuck to what it means to have true honor, which is, you know, he wasn't willing to fight his friend to the death for a woman. Right. right. Like that wasn't willing. That was not appropriate use of of this type of um, this type of combat. You know, fighting over a woman to the death is is not appropriate. You know, right. Whereas like, Sato uh, felt really that came... shows honor. Yeah. Right. Which is completely the opposite. Um, and... <laughs> yeah. So I, I really love that. I thought it was great. I'm glad, too, that that subject of honor in particular is mentioned several times, clearly showing you who has twisted honor to mean something incorrect and who is actually upholding what honor really means. And, you know, even when Miyagi tells Daniel before they ever get to Okinawa, he says, um, you know, that honor is has no time frame because Daniel thinks, well, people should just let this stuff go. Or, you know, like you can fudge things if you need to or whatever to, you know, let get people to let it go. And Miyagi's like, no, like, that's not how it works. Um, it's something that you'll always remember, even though you can forgive. Um, but that he's also trying to say that being a good person doesn't have a time frame is what I got from that. Yeah. No, I mean... Because, you know, the the first movie, too, had this conversation about, like, when to fight and when not to, mm-hmm. you know. And I really loved that, you know, Miyagi was willing to honor the fight against Sato when it came down to him fighting for more than just himself. Right. Then he was for saving the village. But if it's about a woman, yeah, right. like, yeah <laughs> he's exactly. not going to do that. Exactly. Because, yeah, it's fighting for the livelihood of, of like you said, the entire village. It it's and and so, um, and it's it's fighting for the honor of of the of the lives of all of them to continue to exist, you know, as they do. And so, yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, I think that it it also shows too in the scenes where, um, just to kind of bring it back to also the the doing the right thing, when every time the henchmen come in and destroy the garden or destroy all the little bonsai trees and beat Daniel up and everything. He still just takes it, and then when they leave, cleans it up again. And I think that also speaks hugely about bravery and honor and doing the right thing, because Daniel easily could have gone and tried to seek revenge for all of the stuff they did to him and to Miyagi. Mm -hmm. Um, And then especially, you know, to, I'm not going to say his girlfriend, but, you know, Kamiko. But he doesn't. Because that's not what Miyagi taught him. So I think that that's a big thing to see in this movie, too. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Well, and so one of the things that I really picked up on as well in the film was this, you know, we we see earlier this idea of like Daniel's talking about how his life is kind of in chaos and he can't find focus. Um, And I really liked how Miyagi teaches Daniel to slow down, Mm -hmm. to take a breath and look at his life and not just react with emotion. And I think, again, to me, this seemed to be a really big key for our world is that I feel like everybody just Im- reacts immediately with their the first emotion that hits them. And what, what Daniel is being taught here is, no, you need to slow down and let go of all of that excess emotion so you can truly look at everything 
from a, a more clear-headed perspective. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I think what we see is that Miyagi also teaches Daniel the value of hard work, which he continues from the first film, which is that there there is a work is really important. It helps us focus. It tells us it helps us not take the easy way out. It helps us find ways to do basically brain over brawn, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that when you put this idea of like focus and work together, you're in a much better position than to deal with the rigors of life um than you would be if you're just emotionally driven and and always um reacting in, a, instead of thinking you know and mm-hmm. that's kind of why i think what we see in uh a you know the other characters in in the film like so many of this react immediately with their first emotion instead of taking some time to kind of think through the situation take a breath and then have a reaction that's that's really smart yeah, you see that especially in the scene where, uh, like you said, they're building the house or building Daniel's room attached to Miyagi's house at the beginning, and he's teaching him to stop and focus and to think about just your breathing even, um, and step back even mentally from the problem and look at it for what it is and then try to figure it out from there. Um, but you see it again then when he's in the uh, the bar in Okinawa and trying to break the ice pieces and he's thinking it's impossible to do this you know there were guys probably breaking their hand trying to do two or three much less six and now you're betting on me (laughs) but you know he's having to use that again to step back from the situation and even though there's so much noise and you know all these bullies around him and everything that he just closes his eyes and breathes for a few minutes and then sure enough, he's able to do it because he stopped and focused on the situation rather than reacted. And I think that that's huge in general for dealing with your problems. You know, like you were saying, it's mm-hmm. you can't um, always be reactionary. And really, I mean, in every situation, it behooves you to think first and then act. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm glad that they focus on that. And like something, you know, I think that everyone could take away from it is even in your life in general, we need to focus more on what's important because life is so short. So, you know, you can take it in yeah. that aspect. No, I cre- completely agree. Well, and, and it really co- ties with um, another theme that Miyagi talks about, this idea of principle and passion. You know, and he says that when you put passion before principle, you always lose. Mm-hmm. And I really, really liked this because I thought it was so key to that idea of why Miyagi wants Daniel to learn how to focus. You know, to learn how to uh, think about a situation before he acts. You know, because if we just run a, let our passions run away with us um, and we, we never hold on to any kind of principle, we're just going to end up in a place where we're being tossed to and fro, you know, mm-hmm. and I really love this. You know, I, I think it's a really important thing. And again, I think uh, it's an even more important theme for our world today than, than even when this movie came out. 
If you are driven only by passion, you are just going to burn yourself out. You have to have some sort of guiding principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think um, it's it's um, it's really it, it's it, I I was just I was like wow that is such a good thought. And that's what Miyagi does really with, you know, leaving the situation between he and his best friend and the love of his life. He decided to extricate himself based on his principles rather than to participate in a fight to the death with his best friend purely for passion or purely because of being passionately angry. He says, you know, this is the reason that I can't do that because this is been my best friend my whole life and I also care about both of these people enough to where I wouldn't want either of them to die because of me so I'm just going to leave it leave the situation entirely and so he does I mean he shows that over and over again that you it's the same thing as you know why you need the focus um, that you have to react uh, not be reactive and think first and use reasoning and go with your you know principles i guess for lack of a better word rather than Mm -hmm. just being emotionally driven yeah i i completely agree um you know one one last uh thing i i saw too and and i kind of like this as well miyagi talks to daniel about this idea of lies you know um and you know because of all the lies that are being told by him and daniel's like aren't you upset about this and 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 he he says you know look lies others tell about you only become the truth when you choose to believe them and it is another really interesting thing because it's so easy uh to have this happen in our world where it's so easy to to have lies spread about people i mean you know i we look at social media and everything it's terrible Mm -hmm. um and so i think um and i'm really in i really liked this theme uh and i was like man this theme is is so much more difficult now than it was then because a lie can travel around the world in seconds Mm mm-hmm literally seconds on social media and a person's life can completely be destroyed so and that's the quote i was thinking of earlier so i'm sorry i'm glad you included that it it he said the lies others tell about you only become true when they believe them so basically that if someone tells another person a lie about you if the person that was told believes it that's where the problem lies and that you just have to continue being who you are and doing the right thing and let your actions speak for themselves and not listen to the that noise because people are always going to be saying something about you good or bad whatever and possibly have others believe things about you that are not true but only you can be the one to change that and it, just telling them differently may not work, but continuing to be who you are could, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it does. Um, yeah. 
I, I did want to ask, uh, you know, because uh, we've had so much good to say uh, about the film. Was there anything in the movie then that you came to that you thought, you know, I, I this part doesn't quite work for me or this doesn't, you know, just because we've had I think we've had nothing but praise for the mm-hmm. movie so far. I was, I was just wondering if there was anything at this point, since it can happen, if there was anything that didn't work for you. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned that. I, you know, earlier I did briefly say the scene where Miyagi says that he spoke to Daniel's mom, but she never actually appears in the movie. That was a little off-putting for me. Mm -hmm. Just it feels a little too easy. I would have liked to have had her appear in some way, but maybe, like you were saying, she was doing another project or something. Maybe that's the reason Elizabeth Shue wasn't in it either. Uh, But I think it was fine that it didn't also have Elizabeth Shue in it. But I, uh, the only other thing was, for me, I think... um, I wish that they had resolved whether or not Miyagi did end up going back to America and bringing Yuki with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But those are small, you know, nitpicks. I would say overall, you know, mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, it's interesting because I think you picked out the things that I would have liked to have seen with the movie. I, I, mm-hmm. I do wish that um, we had, you know, scene like basically like them just getting on the plane you know to go home yeah and and, and, you know um i think even just that would have been really nice um so yeah i i i I would totally uh, have loved to seen that i think that to me that was the only detriment to the film it's like oh man like we spent all this time with miyagi getting back into this relationship with this woman that he had been in love with that he had proposed to um, and he had had to leave his, his, you know, town for because he would have had to fight his best friend to the death for her. And like the fact that they've rekindled this romance because she never got married. And then we never found out in this movie, like obviously this is the third part. So maybe we'll find out there. Yeah. But, you know, that we never resolve that part of the story, I would have really uh, appreciated. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, all in all, I, I think uh, for the most part, I'm really interested then to see where you come down on this movie with your ratings. So I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five tea ceremonies because I thought that was so cute. Um, And uh, I will say too, I also um, didn't mention the music, but of course, Bill Conti came back doing the music again. And of course it was beautiful and uh, really honored also the Japanese roots and uh, I liked that I, I like cheesy 80s music and I like the band Chicago. And so Peter Cetera's song Glory of Love was very fitting to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, an, yep. it's an 80s movie. Why not? So, uh, yeah, if, for me, it's a four and a half out of five just because of those couple little things I might have changed. Um, but I still find it really enjoyable to rewatch. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm interested to see where you rate it. Yeah, uh, I think so. The first movie I gave four and a half out of five. And uh, I i mean, it was, you know, the, the first one is excellent. Yeah. I was really impressed by how well this holds up. I, I just, I, I, I went in and I wasn't necessarily expecting that. And so I was really impressed with the way that this holds up. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed it. Um. There are only a couple of minor things. Um, I think my enjoyment is still a little bit less than the first one. Yeah. Um, so I would say this is a four out of five for me, but really strong to come back with a sequel like this that is, I, I would say, 
good. It's really good. Um, so absolutely, I, I, I would. I mean, I would definitely recommend anybody going out to check. I mean, I think part one and part two make a great together. You know, like together they make a great duology. So what's going to be fascinating to me to see is is how three holds up because if I recall correctly in my mind, three did not hold up this way in my recollection. But again, it's been years since I've seen it. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll have to wait till we get to that part. But um so Christy, uh it's time now for some recommendations. I've been waiting for this this time especially because I have a really interesting one. Uh I actually by accident the other day found some new things to watch on stars because before I said I only got stars because of men in kilts, well, I found more things to watch, so <laughs> I'm using it more. But uh, I accidentally came across the documentary called Seduced Inside the Nexium Cult. And mm-hmm. uh, if people might remember, that was the one that was recently uncovered that two of the actresses from Smallville were a part of previously. Um it was this huge case that got blown open. Um, all these people that were either previous or recent members um, and how the whole thing even came about. Um, it's of course, you know, a sad and difficult subject matter to watch because this is real. Um, but I think for me, it helps to have the knowledge of how these things happen so that you prevent yourself from ever being seduced into mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yep. Because, I mean, yeah. we all know that's yeah. how cults happen. People are convinced by someone who really believes something until they think that that kind of life is normal. And so, you know, it takes a long time for people that have then been brought out of that to get over that. Um, and, you know, it's a trauma that they then live with. But um, I hope that, you know, we can prevent with things like this that ever happening again. So... I highly recommend watching it. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because um, on HBO Max, they have a series called The Vow, which is is uh, about this same thing uh, mm. from people who are inside the, the cult. And it, so if you've seen that one, I would be interested to see what you think of this one mm-hmm. uh, because it's really, really fascinating. And they're actually going to do a season two for it as well to follow up with all the, all, the fact that, you know... Um, the people had been arrested and everything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so I'd be really fascinated to see what you thought of that one as well. Um, for me, I, you know what? I'm going to recommend something that um, I, I, I think that, you know, people should really go back and watch. You know, John and I, doing Snyder Cuts, we've walked through all of the things that Snyder's directed. And a lot of people have missed, unfortunately, Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul. Uh, Zack Snyder's animated film Hmm. but as we were talking about that it is just so good it's a great movie to watch with your family it's just a it's a it's a fantastic film um it's it's one that you shouldn't sleep on the themes in it were incredible so um you know I I highly recommend you know checking out that movie and and giving it a watch um and you know maybe maybe you don't believe me and you want to hear exactly why you should I mean, you can listen to the Snyder Cuts episode where where John and I talk about it, um, and it's I I mean it's a great film. Like I really enjoyed it, uh, and and I think uh, I would highly recommend anybody checking it out. So, uh, but Christy, if it, people want to you know catch up with you, see what you've got going on uh, in in life and and elsewhere, where can they find you? 
You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And of course, I do another show called Sabres and Spells with my good friend Amanda DeFonzo, where we talk about some other more um, obscure geeky stuff usually. Um, I mean, we got into Stranger Things and some things like that, but um, we're very interested to see where we might go next. Um, We're, you know, picking up maybe uh, going back into NeverEnding Story, for example. So hope that you'll check out our show, Sabres and Spells, on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network, Skynet. Uh, we are, uh, as a show, on in Instagram and Twitter as well, at Sabres and Spells. And, uh, of course, uh, you could find me here on the network uh, doing all sorts of things these days. Uh, of course, Snyder Cut's here uh, in the same uh, feed as the 602 Club, uh, which we you know love to have you check out as we're looking towards uh, Justice League there with uh, Zack Snyder. And uh, we're going to have a massive crossover event between both of the shows as, as we talk about that. So that'll be coming up for you guys soon. Um, so please, yeah, check it out. It's been, I mean, honestly... You know, I love podcasting with Christy and doing this show. It's been so much fun. And and one of the things that's been a blast is that John and I have been having a blast doing that. Like, we decided to do this together and we had no idea how much fun we were going to have doing it. And so, yeah, I just hope people will enjoy it. it that's That's been the joy for us is just having a good time together. So uh, you can also find me here doing Literary Treks as well as The Orb. Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek. The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Both of those have had new episodes recently as well. So we're trying to get back the network, having more episodes all over the place. You can find me on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows, talking Star Wars every week with John Mills over on Aggressive Negotiations there. And of course, doing Owl Post with Drea Kaufman as we've been walking through Harry Potter one chapter at a time. And I think as of this recording, we have six episodes left. So wow. it's pretty crazy. We're almost done. Man. It's insane. Uh, and of course, you can find me on social media all over the place under the name Matt Rushing 2 But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>